Modern Rock for Cincinnati and Dayton, 97X with Too Much Joy and Long-Haired Guys from England. The Dandy Warhols and the Chili Peppers got things started with Fight Like a Brave. New Tunes Tuesday will continue all day long, and this time it's just one band and artist, Guided by Voices and Bob Pollard. Just this week, Solo Bob and Guided by Voices have released 17 new albums, so they'll be the only artist on New Tunes Tuesday. Wright State's most famous grad all day long here at 97X, the Dave, future of rock and roll. Dave, New Tunes Tuesday. Yeah. Dave, yeah. I'm trying to trying to figure out the best way to walk you through this. A, not yeah. Tuesday. B, right. no longer yeah. a 97X. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but but there is 17 new guided by voices and Bob <laughs> well, Pollard that, albums coming that, out. That part is true. I mean, you know, yeah, like see? even in the time that we were talking, he's released another one. But it was Boston yeah. Spaceships. It was a side project. It's fine. But the good news is, Dave, like we do get together from time to time. We used to get together in person and at my place, the party dungeon. But uh, due to COVID, you're, you stay in your palatial estate, and I'm in the party dungeon. But we talk about our old days at 97X. You can listen to podcasts on 97xbam.com. And we, you conjure up magical people from the past. And today, I'm very excited because Steve Romer, a.k.a. Romy Dahomey, has joined us. Steve, welcome. Hey, guys. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for including me in this uh, awesome podcast you guys have put together. Now, do you have any AP Network news you've ripped off the wire for us to read? <laughs> wow, I forgot about that. What was the name of that guy? <laughs> oh, there's a Mark Russo, maybe? Yeah. It might have been Mark, Mark Russo. Russo. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still get Christmas cards from him. That, that was one of my... <laughs> I never got a Christmas card. <laughs> one of my uh, first mistakes being uh, made as a co-producer i thought you wanted me to paraphrase his his uh, line that he started with and so i'd paraphrase it and then you guys would come up with something witty to lead into it and you're like Romy, what was that <laughs> <laughs> oh i do remember that it's all coming back to me so steve you mentioned you were a co-producer which um, some people would call them interns or co-ops but Rick Tile was adamant. They are helping us put together the Breakfast Club. They are co-producers of this. But mm-hmm. you were a student at Miami that just was looking for a radio gig, right? Yeah, and, and you're right. And, and Rick, you know, really, I, I owe where I am today, who I am today to Rick replacing the word intern on my resume with co-producer. I, I just can't imagine probably living, uh, you know, down in the gutter if, if I did not have that co-producer title. It's a snowball effect. <laughs> now, if I remember correctly, that came with a big boost in uh, money, didn't it? I think going from, from being an intern to a co-producer was, was at least one figure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, the, the, the interns got cassettes. <laughs> and we got CDs, which was great, except I didn't have a CD player. But luckily, my roommate had one. So, you know, I think what the first one I got was uh, Sting, Ten Summoners, Tales. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Cuenco, that same thing, because it was two CDs a week. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, always made me come in on whatever it was, Thursday or Friday, the last day of the week. So for sure, I was going to make it that day. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, were, you were pretty good with attendance. I will say there was one day where your attendance was actually a detriment. 
and that would be <laughs> on St. Patty's Day, right? Miami oh, University, kegs yeah. and eggs, green beer day or whatever. So I think you you maybe stayed up all night drinking and then Perhaps. came yeah. to the station and you reeked of alcohol and Rick Tile and I said, you know what? Just go home and sleep it off. <laughs> that was probably a wise idea. No, but you're dedicated. Thought. I remember because you're you're dedicated. You you stumbled towards the AP wire. You were trying to rip that off. You were you were getting things ready in the background. You were getting, of course, uh, Rick's uh, fat masseuse ready. Uh, <laughs> but we we ended up having to to send you home. I do remember that. Yeah, you curled up by the big bush. I'm glad you guys remember it because I certainly don't. <laughs> Was and, it the green tongue? Is that what gave me away? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you were drunk. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but, but were you also the, the co-op, the co-producer that, did you ride your bike to work sometimes and the chain fell off the, the bike one time? All the time. Uh, so good memory. I had a bicycle, but uh, one of the pedals after about 20, 25 rotations would fall off. <laughs> And so I'd have to stop every so often and then hand tighten it. And for a while I would bring a wrench too, but the wrench just was too much work. So, you know, riding up 27 at whatever it was, six in the morning, trying to get to, to you know, the AP wire on time with the, the pedal falling off. I guess in, in hindsight, it sounds noble, but that's just the, you know, the hand you're dealt, right? <laughs> You know, I always thought it was bad that Rick gave you a black outfit to ride your bike on 27 <laughs> at 6 in the morning. It was neon black, though. So it really it really did protect me. It really, really, really stuck out there as, as people were coming from the Clark station with their Little Debbie's fudge rounds. Mm. And, oh, my gosh. But, Steve, you also, you know, like, we're celebrity at Miami University because you started a brand new sport. Yeah, so uh, it came from back here at home. One of my favorite pastimes was pitching horseshoes. And when I got to school, I, I had a set, really no one to toss with me. And so I got some guys together and we created the Horseshoes Club at Miami, affectionately known as HCAM. And so, you know, it, you think, well, why is it a club? I mean, you could just leave the dining hall and go and pitch horseshoes. It's not a club. We actually found an economics professor to sponsor us. And we went to the student council meeting or whatever it was and got formally recognized as a club. And along with the co-producer title, that bottom bullet point really was a wow factor when I sat in front of a would-be employer. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. I mean, hey, this it's a guy knows what a leaner is, you know? So like <laughs> hire that man immediately. Now, now give us a rundown of, of a typical day and what a co-producer would do with a breakfast club at 97X. Wow, you're really testing the memory now. Uh, I think, you know, you get there, you apologize for being late and uh, you listen to Rick give you, a, you know, kind of a speech about being responsible and mature and and you, you're contrite, and then you go into the, uh, I think it was the production room where, where the AP feed was, mm -hmm. put that on a cart, and then uh, we'd have, a, let's see, 
we'd have like the schedule for the show, right? And sometimes there was there was a, a bit that we'd we'd produce off to the side. I I really I did not get any on air with the exception of one time. And you guys had me read a Kroger ad. And I didn't realize it, but you after I read it, we went off air and you looked at me and, and was like, Romy, what was that? I mean, what, what's with the guy smiley radio voice? And I had no idea I was doing it. I, and then I, I thought you guys were messing with me. But then when you got back on the air and were like wait, making fun of me still, and then I went home and my roommates were making fun of me for it. I was like, oh, no, I really screwed up. That was the end of the on air, <laughs> with the exception of one pre-produced bit where we, we did the Chicago plumber. That was my favorite, I think. And I, I wish I had it still, but it was uh, FOPIC, the, the Fellowship of Plumbers in Chicago. And it had some sort of like awfully written poem that kind of rhymed. And and I read it in the, the the voice of what I would imagine was a Chicago South Sider. I'm a you know I'm a pipe fitter local 41, and in Ohio, <laughs> that accent was you know was really good, mm -hmm. but here in Chicago you're like really dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when English when Americans think they're doing a good British accent, you know, and then they go to <laughs> right. Britain and people laugh them right out of the room. Uh, fair enough. Exactly right. Do you remember a line from that? You know, like like. Uh, it started out with um, problems with your toilet sink or pipes, and then it, it went on from there. I, I'll have to find it. I'm sure it's on cassette somewhere, because it it really is my favorite. And then I'll have to buy a cassette player. <laughs> so say, do you have a player? <laughs> But then life imitated art, or art imitated life, I think, because then didn't you become like the maintenance I, man at the apartment where you and former co-producer and now Miami professor Mighty Joe Sampson lived? Yeah, yeah. Joe and I, we actually lived in that apartment complex uh, the summer uh, 90, of summer of 93, and I was the uh, student manager. So I was, they called me Schneider from, <laughs> you know, one day at a time. And it was my job to help people who were locked out or, you know, had a toilet that needed plunging or something like that. And basically a, a jack of all trades. And it was a great situation uh, for, for both the owner of the complex and, and me. I got a break on the rent and she had a nice uh, uh, kind of a buffer ambassador to the to the student population, which yeah. was good. So when, so they they'd call you at two thirty in the morning when they were locked in <laughs> instead of calling the yeah. landlady. Yeah, and I was up, you know, doing my exercises before going into the radio station, <laughs> getting warmed up, tightening the bike pedal. <laughs> that was really not an issue. Then um, it fell apart though because uh, Joe Sampson stole your identity, didn't he? With your, you know, started getting credit cards in your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under Schneider's name. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Well, it was a Columbia Record Club, I think is what it was. <laughs> nice. He took that penny from you and got 12 albums. So, yeah. But you were also part of uh, the Miami student radio station, right? Yeah, that's um, how I got involved in radio. I was sitting around with my other roommate, and we were just watching the doors on VHS for like the 12th time in four days. We're I don't know, trying to set some sort of record. 
when Chris Kerber walked in and he said, hey, any of you bums want to do a radio show with me? And I'm pretty sure that line is verbatim because that's how Chris talked. And I said, sure, you know, in a moment of like, I don't know, ambition. And so I did a show with Chris called Meat and Potatoes. And we were a, um, I think we'll, we'll call it an eclectic show. And then we would try to do bits as well. And, and Kerber would plug his nose. And that was like his weather or his traffic guy voice. And we would do pedestrian traffic like on the quad and how like there was a backup on the diag. <laughs> and so you think, wow, it, this is, uh, this is so amateur hour. And lo and behold, like Chris made a career out of being in the radio. He's, he's came KMOX doing the St. Louis blues games. Wow. So who am I to, to make fun of his uh, crazy voices? Yeah. You should have been paying more attention. You should have plugged your nose, young man. Yeah, I should have. Should have I didn't realize turned it up I, in the air. I didn't realize he's doing that. That means there's there's two uh, people now that I know because uh, John Boy Walton, another uh, uh, co-producer, uh, is calling the Washington Capitol games. Oh wow! Yeah, and and uh, this last Olympics, uh, he was uh, calling the uh, women's hockey. Great. Yeah. Great. So there's there's two from Miami calling professional. Uh, and, and Chris Rose is with ESPN, if you remember Chris Rose. That's right. Wow. And then and then Damien and I are doing a podcast that 15 people listen to. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a big, big, wide gap there. Oh, my. I had no idea your audience was so big. <laughs> well, well, you know, we, we, we tend to inflate the numbers a little bit, you know, like <clears throat> I like to say it's it's more than a handful. <laughs> You know, um, I was telling my wife about doing this podcast, and uh, I, I had shared, started sharing some stories with her. And I have to say, one of my—I have two favorite stories. I think the first is playing on the softball team. Do you remember that? That was that was a lot of fun that mm -hmm. summer. But uh, there was one particular game. I'm sure you all remember. Bake was playing first base like he always does, and we had uh, David Byrne in right field. Not. Not the David Byrne, yeah. but the bearded, David chubby Byrne. version of David. Right. Byrne. So I had that. Do you remember that that uh, blooper, blooper fly ball just over yeah. Bake's head? He turned around, played it fundamentals, looking over his head, and I'm sure he was making the catch. But David Byrne was coming in, and wham! And I, I had the view of center field, so I saw like like two Mack trucks hitting each other, <laughs> and they both hit the ground. And David got up. And Bake didn't, and he was like Tweety Birds, you know, over his head. And so after the game, everyone's concerned about Dave, uh, Bake driving home. And uh, they say, oh, well, well, Romy can drive. And I said, yeah, sure, I can, you know, drive the Blazer or whatever it was. not a big deal. But then someone had the idea, well, wait a minute. Romy's not insured on the policy, so I don't think we ought to do that. And so there was a little caucus and Bake said, you know, I, I can drive. And they said, well, let's put Romy in the car with Bake just to make sure he gets home okay. <laughs> so I got the, the, the front seat with Bake, and, you know, he's got the window down, <laughs> smoking <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> and I kind of nervously would say every so often, hey, Bake, how you feeling? Are you okay? <laughs> we were going up like 73 or something. And I was really concerned. Like, how did I just get thrown into this situation? 
I believe that was the game where we played the Royal Crescent Mob and some of their. I, I was at that game, and, and and everyone always kind of blamed it on David Byrne, but I blamed it on Bake because and, he and Bake, was, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, because because Bake was making the call while he was doing it. Steve Baker, <laughs> backpedaling, <laughs> shallow right field. <laughs> And so he wasn't really paying attention to what was going on around him. Uh, I haven't heard that version. But I, I, as I do recall, Bake did say that it was his fault because the right fielder calls off the first baseman. Yeah. And it's that it's his play. Yeah. But what's the other story? <laughs> what's your other story? <laughs> yeah, how do you follow that one? So the other story is um, uh, uh, the party in the park with uh, – remember that big festival at Hyde Park, I think it was? Yes. Where Danny, we had Danny. the Judy Bats – Judy Betts with a headliner. That that had to be the highlight of their career, I think. So the uh, the band right before them was uh, the Goo Goo Dolls, which you may have heard of. Three piece, always performed barefoot. Uh, Robbie, Johnny, and I think George was the drummer, right? And so you guys sent me off to buy cigarettes and a case of Bush Light for the Goo Goo Dolls. And I have never bought cigarettes. I mean, to this day, I've never bought cigarettes in my life other than that day and i didn't even know what to get and so of course i i knew bake smoked basics so i figured <laughs> i got a carton of basics and brought them back for goo goo dolls you've never seen such an appreciative looking group of fellas <laughs> I don't know whether it was a cigarettes or the bush light, but they took the stage with a bit of an animosity, I'd say. I mean, they, they, were, they were working out some aggression in their music. I don't know where everyone went, okay? But it seemed like no one was around all of a sudden, and it was just me and Joe Sampson, who, you know, we were both interns, and the Goo Goo Dolls had overplayed their time. And it was, we, we could tell, because we were standing behind the sound booth, and they looked at each other and like, what the heck? They're playing again. And they started another song after that. And so the one guy just potted down everything and turned off the sound. And Robbie, the bass player, who's, uh, you know, again, barefoot, he's got long hair. He chucks his bass over his head, jumps off the stage and climbs on the back of the sound guy and attacking him. And Joe Sampson, I'm going to try and do uh, Joe's. Imp uh, my impression of Joe as best as I can, but I've got a bit of a cold. He says, <clears throat> Robbie, what are you doing? What are, what are you doing, Robbie? <laughs> and so we're both trying to pull Robbie off, <laughs> off of uh, this poor sound guy. And that was that. They, you know, after that, I think they just drank their sorrows in the, the rest of the case of Bush Light. Again, this is another way that you probably got a job because when they ask you in the interview, how did you resolve a conflict? You probably <laughs> use this as a perfect example. I didn't realize the launching pad that the co-producer job had done for you, Romy. It was, yeah, it teaches you conflict resolution skills for sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. What would you do if, if there was a work conflict? I'd offer them a carton of basics and a case of bush light. Works every time. Uh, I want to tell you one thing. Uh, I'm going to set the record straight. They didn't drink just one case because when they were done that one case, Aaron Bournes and I had to go out and buy another case of Bush Light 
Oh and you know God. how hard it is to find bush light in Eden Park? <laughs> <laughs> that was a day that will certainly live in infamy because I think 97X had no business trying to organize all the details of a music festival. Like we could have gotten the bands and, and, and sponsored it, but we were in charge of like the green room, you know, like, and you know, the rider. So, you know, you had to go pick up the carton of cigs in the bush light. And we yeah. had a meat tray for a reggae group that uh, was, it wasn't kosher. So like the, or the dairy that. was touching. Or yeah, something. Wailing souls were quite upset that the meat was touching the fruit and cheese. That's right. And, and you had to get them tea as well, because I think they had a, a yeah. voice issue that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they were high maintenance. Yeah. So, Steve, did you do um, like one semester, two? You did multiple semesters as a co-producer, right? I was trying to remember. I think I did uh, s- spring of 93 and then the summer of 93 and then again fall of 93. It was quite, I think it was three days a week. I, I never realized how many people listened to the station until I was I was going in after exams to, to get my grade. Um, and so we're all in line at this professor's office. And he looks at me and he asked me for my name. It was not a large class because I hadn't been there because I was working at the station. So I said, Steve Romer. And he said, hey, I know you from 97X. I listened to you on the way in on 27. <laughs> and I said... Yeah, that's that's why I wasn't in class much. <laughs> but I got a B. I got a solid B. I was pretty impressed. We'll take it. I think he gave you credit for time served on the Breakfast Club. I think so. You know? He was a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Was, that's cool. You you worked there that long. I'm just doing a quick calculation. I believe we have given you 112 CDs. Then. Oh wow! You know yeah. I do have quite a collection. Mm-hmm. And I still have, I think, all of the CDs. Have all the promo CDs been relegated to the basement now? <laughs> the ones with like four songs, like Gene Loves, Gene Loves Jezebel. Oh, nice. Wow, dude, you've got some collector's items there. You need to put yeah, those on eBay. Yeah, some good ones. And so you, uh, from Chicago, and then you moved back to Chicago after graduation, right? And, yeah. And, and because yeah. you were a co-producer, and because you started the Horseshoe Club at Miami, because you knew conflict resolution, and because you saw Steve Baker run into David Byrne, not the David Byrne, like you're a titan of industry now. Like I mean, yeah. it was a rocket ride straight to the top. Yeah, that's that's. I'm so often referred as a titan of industry. No, but you you do more like accounting. Tell us what your job is. Uh, so I have a small business, and we do uh, liquidation services and appraisal services uh, for banks. And we so if they lend on uh, equipment and they have that as part of their collateral, we'll tell them what it's worth if they have to you know seize their collateral and sell it, and then we'll actually do the auctions for them. Can you get us a sweet deal on a backhoe? Because the Rosie's yeah. from the Big Bush podcast has been looking for a backhoe. <laughs> we can, we can do that. Okay. What about an offset press, offset printing press? Oh, yeah. Look, okay. That's impressive. I'm impressed by your knowledge. Yeah. How about a cassette Those, player? Uh, <laughs> what? A cassette, cassette player. Can you get us a sweet deal <laughs> no. on a cassette player? No, we yeah. haven't done any museums yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be first on the list of phone Thank calls you. I made. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk a little bit about the foundation, Steve, or... Oh, yeah, sure. I'd like to thanks. Free plug, right? 
my yeah. wife and I and, and um, a bunch of other people here in the community have started a foundation in memory of our son, Patrick, who passed away about a year ago. Uh, Patrick suffered from uh, mental illness, uh, uh, depression, and anxiety. And one thing that brought Patrick um, some peace was being around animals. And we've had dogs and cats for years now. And uh, one dog in particular, Cece, was the love of his life. And, uh, you know, to help us deal with the, the loss of, of Patrick, we thought, well, let's, let's get dogs in front of more cats who are, who are dealing with with uh, depression and anxiety. And so we started um, uh, Pause for Patrick, and Pause for Patrick uh, helps facilitate bringing emotional support animals, or ESAs, to kids who are dealing with uh, mental health uh, issues. And uh, we officially started, I think, in August, and we've already served, or we've gotten requests at last count about a month ago for over 50 emotional support animals. Um, Funding-wise, I think we've raised between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars, so it's it's really getting a lot of traction. Unfortunately, uh, with with the coronavirus pandemic, and there's it's just there's a lot of need for it. A lot of a lot of kids who are who are having a tough time right now, and so we it, it helps us feel better about you know giving back and and making kids smile and helping their day as uh, as they struggle. Now. Um, you had some good news. You were just awarded your 501c. Is that correct? Yeah, 501c3. And uh, so now we're we're official official. And if you want to visit the website, it's pauseforpatrick.org. It's P-A-W-S-F-O-R. We spelled it out. Patrick.org. Awesome. Steve, so kudos to you and your wife, Ronzi, for uh, seeing beyond your own pain. Uh, and doing something positive for other kids. So we appreciate it. Yeah, that. thanks. And thank you for all your support, both of you, in the last year. I really appreciate it. We've had, we couldn't have made it through without the support of so much, um, so many friends and family just reaching out. Now, now, at the website, can you can you donate? Can you, uh, you know, request for a family member? I mean, you, what can you, can you do, do on the website? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, you, you can do all that. There's a, a donate now button you can press. Uh, there are uh, various tabs where you can, if you just want to learn about the program or learn about emotional sport animals, uh, you can do fill out a request form, and one of our uh, volunteers will reach out to you. And uh, one of the things they help uh, you do is, let's say you're a college kid and you live in a dorm, you think, well, I can't have a dog. Well, it turns out you can. And if you have a landlord and you have a lease that says there are no dogs, well, it turns out you can. If you get a letter from a uh, mental health professional, and we have one who volunteers is, is on the board, he'll he'll meet with you and make the assessment and can write that letter. And our other uh, volunteers can write that letter to your landlord and make it all happen. So it's pretty exciting. Very cool. Well, Steve, we appreciate your time today. It's been great catching up with you. I hope you... Um, have taken your bike to a repair shop and gotten that uh, faulty pedal fixed. <laughs> I have. Thanks, Damien. 97X. I knew that wasn't going to sound good. Rumblings from the Big Bush.